Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick, I am your Legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jeremy. What's up, man? Oh, not much, Pat. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing, enjoying this wonderful weather we're having. It was 86 degrees today. It was kind of crazy. Loving it. Yeah, it was great outside. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I, I like this New England weather of just, uh, we skip spring and go from the dead of winter into the heat of summer. <laughs> it was 86 degrees and there are still piles of snow in some parking lots, so. Yeah, there are! <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, this week, as with every week, uh, we are brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com, uh, sponsored by Cast Haven. Uh, if you want Leaving a Legacy as early as possible, check out hipstersofthecoast.com, where we post every Friday. You can also go there for excellent content on really any format. They have everything from Commander and Cube to Legacy Unlimited, so check them out. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, uh, please visit patreon.com slash leavinglegacy. Uh, Jerry and I strive to bring you the best Legacy content each and every week, and if you'd like to support the show, Patreon allows you to pledge uh, as little as a dollar an episode. Uh, it's pretty awesome. There's no commitment. You can set a monthly limit, and you can cancel any time, which gives our listeners a lot of freedom there. Uh, there's multiple reward tiers, and we are working on adding some neat features in the future with the help of you guys, our awesome listeners. Uh, rewards right now include stickers, shout-outs on the show, playmats, and more. So check out patreon.com slash livinglexy. Thanks. Don't, uh, don't search leaving a legacy on Patreon. <laughs> You'll end up supporting some woman who's trying to turn into a mermaid. Hey, you know what? <laughs> we I all mean, have to dreams. Their own. To, to each their own, but that was... You know, Tom Smiley posted that on the on the Facebook group. He tried finding the Patreon, and it was just... You know, some woman trying to be a mermaid, mermaid life. You know, we don't judge here. We don't judge. I bet she would love merfolk. <laughs> Maybe we can make a legacy player out of her yet. Yeah, a little crossover. It's hard It's hard to get into your seats, though, in time for pairings when you have a flipper. <laughs> a giant flipper. When all yeah. you have is a tail. Like, she just wheeled around in a fish tank. Yeah, she, she'd actually have to go to, uh, what was it? What was the convention that was next door? The hot tub convention? Oh, yeah, that was the, the best hot tub event. Convention. And she could just have people come to her. Yeah, scrub out of the main event and then go buy a hot tub. It's, oh, it was man. great. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, this past weekend we had uh, SCG Worcester. The Worcester Open. Uh, it was 700 and some odd players in the in the main event for Legacy. Which seems like a pretty good showing, Jerry. Do we know the metrics as to where they've been lately, as far as uh, SCG kind of attendance for Legacy? Uh, I tried finding that out earlier in the week, but it doesn't look like uh, Star City Games does a great job about sharing that information. I mean, I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't really blame them. Most companies like to keep their proprietary information kind of close to the vest. Uh, I'm sure it could be found out by digging through the interwebs, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like anyone's, you know, put in the legwork to do that yet. Um, I do know it was, uh, you know, fairly high. I think the exact number was 718. Sounds right. Uh, yeah, which, you know, was more than I was expecting. Uh, I think someone was saying, like, the last modern event was 600 people in Baltimore. So... Uh, you know, definitely, definitely a great turnout at uh, Star City Worcester. So, I, you know, it was good seeing that many people show up and play. The event all seemed pretty damn full. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. Um, really enjoyed the event. It seemed like it was pretty well run. There was some altars there, altar people there. Um, you know, just typical Star City Games uh, deal. You know, I had no issues there, so that was good. Um, how did your tournament go, Jerry? Uh, not the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went uh three three drop. Uh, my deck just shat on me all day. 
Sometimes you have to pay extra for that, but you that I know, not, right? That was not what you were going for, right? <laughs> GP Frankfurt, you have to pay extra. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, I just I knew it was going to be a bad day when I mold to four in game one of round one. Yeah, that's not where you want to be. <laughs> and then I found out it was the mirror match, and <sighs> you know, mulling in the mirror match is especially what you don't want to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my deck just didn't show up. I just drew the wrong half of my deck all day. I, I still managed to squeak three three wins out of the day, but my three losses, it just, like, wasn't anything I could do. It just, yeah. I, I wasn't in the game. <laughs> it's very frustrating when that happens. Yeah. It was funny, though. My round one opponent, so it's the mirror match, uh, and I mull, and I lose, and he's a friendly guy, and we're talking afterwards. I'm like, oh, yeah, so, like, how long you been on Sneak Attack? Uh, you know, you, you don't like the Cunning Wish version? She's like, yeah, it, it's, I've been on it, the deck for a couple months. Um, my friend convinced me to run this, uh, <laughs> this sweet sideboard tech. And I'm like, really? What? He's like, yeah, apparently this guy's been talking about this card, Sin Prodder. <laughs> <laughs> And he, like, takes out the Sin Prodders out of his sideboard, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm running those, too. He's like, yeah, I really like it. It's sweet in the deck. And I'm like, I know, it's awesome. And then his friend comes over, <laughs> and his his friend is Tim, who's, uh, who's a member of the, uh, the uh Sneak and Show Facebook group that the I the Real Thing with. Presentation Education Group. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I that's what I was thinking of. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> How could Jason? I mean, I understand it's the it's the translation from Japanese. I don't think Jason could have made it any more difficult for people to find on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret group. <laughs> it really it's it's not a secret. It's a completely open group, but it's basically a secret group because you can't yes. find it. <laughs> but uh, so his friend Tim comes over, who's a member of that group, and his friend's like, "This is the guy." <laughs> like pointing at me. This is the Sin Prodder guy. Oh man, that was great. That was great. I was laughing so hard. Oh yeah, man, that was, that was a fun start to the tournament. I really enjoyed that. Though <laughs> <laughs> so I did get beat by my own tech. So well, your that. message is getting out there. So that's that's the goal, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to lower my win percentage by telling people how to beat me. <laughs> uh, the rest of the tournament wasn't really that eventful. Kind of just. Went by in a blur. The matches I won, I just kind of won handily, and the matches I lost, I just got destroyed. But I did have just the most ultra-tilting, frustrating game I could imagine in uh, round five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm playing the the you know big red stomping deck. So just like mono red with ancient tomb, simian spirit guides, trinisphere. Is this chal- like magus of the moon, chalice, blood moon, all that? Moon. Yeah. Uh, okay. Four, four magus of the moon, four blood moon. That you know, goblin rabble master. That deck. And my opponent, you know, I, I play a couple couple spells, and he figures out I'm on uh, sneak and show by the spells I'm playing, and he just like throws his hands up in the air. He's like, "Well, this is where I go home. No way I'm beating this deck." <laughs> Because, you know, it's a very good matchup for Sneak and Show. And I proceed to go off of Ancient Tomb, turn three Jace, and then turn four Sneak Attack. Seems good. (laughs) Seems real good. And my opponent, like, plays Blood Moon. He's like, yep, just let me know when we get to go to the next game. I'm like, sure. (laughs) I, I Jace Brainstorm, you know, put the cards back, pass the turn, draws a card, he plays a Trinisphere, passes it back. I j- draw a card, J-Storm, put him back. This continues for 12 turns, Pat. <laughs> 12, 12 turns. 
<laughs> did you not want to draw any creatures? Is that what you were trying to do there? You're just trying yeah. to win West style points. <laughs> like I, it got to the point where I'm like, maybe I like left my grizz. Like maybe when I was sideboarding in my last match, like am I playing with like a 50 card deck? <laughs> did I left my grizzle brands and Emmercools at the last table. <laughs> like where are they? <laughs> it's like I have a blood moon. There's a blood moon in play, so I can't use my fetch lands. So I'm not getting the shuffle effect, but I'm still. Drawing a card for my draw step and drawing a card with Jace, plus looking, you know, two cards, you know, theoretically two cards uh, deeper uh, with Jace Storm every every turn for 12 right. turns. Oh, man. That's, that's 24 cards that I drew over 12 turns. Wow. Did not find a creature in any of them. <laughs> so tilting, my opponent beat me with a hardcast Simeon Spirit Guide that he proceeded to beat Chase down with. The and then a couple. <laughs> yeah, so like I even I drew more than twenty four because I got twelve Jace activations before he killed Jace, and then you know started killing uh, killing me. And <laughs> <laughs> just like game two didn't get much better, couldn't find a creature in game two. I ended up sneak attack. Uh, sneak attacking in a grim lava mancer, so, <laughs> so I could block a goblin rabble master token and then activate the grim lava mancer to kill the goblin rabble master because they were swinging in at my Jace. <laughs> <laughs> it was so frustrating, and I just, like I knew my tournament was over after that match when I everything like it was my match to lose, and my deck just said, "Screw you, Jerry, go home." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, my my opponent showed me his notes afterwards, and he's like, "Yeah, I like to keep notes of all the matches I win. Usually, I don't win in this matchup, so my notes are just got really, really lucky." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it feels that. like he's not making any decisions in that game. It's just uh, <laughs> hoping he doesn't die. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. So that's the I guess that's the problem with combo decks is sometimes the deck beats itself. How was how was your uh, how was your tournament, Pat? Anybody uh, in mind? Similar similar result. Ended up going uh, three three. I started off really well. I uh, started off pretty hot. What was two zero? Um, only notable really matches were let's see. The first round I played against like a twenty six leyline deck, which I have never never played against before. Never really seen the deck list. But like turn one, he goes he draws his seven, and he reveals serum powder. And then says, "I'm going to draw a fresh seven. And I had to read serum say powder. He reveals serum powder, Pat. No <laughs> one knows what that card does. <laughs> yes. So it reveals serum. So all right, let me pull it up because I can't even actually completely remember what it does. Uh, I remember when this card was printed and thinking it hysterical. <laughs> so serum powder is a uh, it's a three mana a three mana artifact. Uh, you can tap to add one to your mana pool, but that's not what anyone really ever does with it. it it's the Text says, anytime you can mulligan and serum powders in your hand, you may exile all the cards from your hand and then draw that many cards. So you can basically, if you have seven, you can draw a fresh seven and exile the seven that were in your hand originally. Um, so he, he, he like draws like a fresh seven card. I'm like, all right, that's, that's fine. I have no idea what this deck is, but sure. Thought maybe it was like some crazy food chain tech, tech or something. I don't know. Um, and then he proceeds to like play... Like, oh man, I, I have to look these up because I can't remember the ley lines that he used. They're ley lines that I've never seen. So like Yeah. <laughs> I, I have seen like Leyline of the Void, uh Leyline of Sanctity. So he played like um let's see, Leyline of Anticipation, which yep. is the one that gives you guys flash, um Leyline of the of Life Force. Let's see what else had he played. Um 
ley line of the meek, whatever, like like ley line of, of vitality. It was. It they was don't like, matter, Pat. They're just four fours. Right. They're just well, four four beaters. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. I, uh, so I'm like, what what is this deck doing? So he plays down to these four ley lines, right? I'm like, shit. If this is like, if he has with a ley line that like doesn't allow me to target him, I'm like, that's kind of a problem because now all my burn spells are, are garbage. But like, I have like force. Days like a, a couple creatures, a couple lands. Like I have a an active hand, like it's a decent hand. And so I like I play like turn one Delver Pass, turn two I uh, like probe him because he's played um uh the Sarah Sanctum that's a, the land that uh pay, it makes white for each enchantment that you have on the battlefield. And your ley lines are enchantments. <laughs> exactly. So like he play he basically has turn one four mana available. And so I look at his hand, and he's got two copies of Opalescence in his hand. So I'm like, all right, so I have to, now I have to read that card because I know I've seen Opalescence. I played when that card was around because that was like an Enchantment Matters set. Because they had all like the, uh, that set had all the cards where like, like Hidden Herd and the like where they were enchantments, but if someone did something, it became creatures. Anyway. So- I, I love Opalescence because its art reminds me of like a Creed album cover. <laughs> Look yeah. at the opalescence art. <laughs> it it literally looks like human clay. That's fair. <laughs> opalescence is too white white for an enchantment. Um, it's uh, each other. So I'm gonna read you the actual text in the card because it's it's way better than the oracle text. Each other global enchantment is a creature with power and toughness equal to its converted mana cost. It's still an enchantment. So basically, it turns all your ley lines into cre- into four four creatures. Um, so. I think what I did was, uh, because I had Daze and Force in hand, I just, like, Daze the first time he tried to play it, and then Force the second time he tried to play it, and then just beat in with Delvers and Swift Spears. Uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty easy game. And then the second game went very similar similar to that. Um, he had, like, Sarah Sanctum in hand and something else. Something, again, like, something that wasn't important. And he just didn't draw Opalescence, and I just I just killed him really quick. It, it, was, a, it was a really sweet deck, um, and he was a really nice opponent. It was just funny because it was it was just like it just shows you, Jerry. You talk about it all the time. Anytime you go to a big tournament, you know, nine rounds, whatever, you're gonna be in the wild wild west for the first two rounds, and this certainly was the wild wild west. Yeah, Opalescence is like a sweet glass cannon deck. I put it in the same category as like Char Belcher or Oops All Spells. But when it has good hands, its hands are amazing. I mean, because it, it, it literally can go like so. Is Sarah Sanctum? Does that come in tapped or is that coming untapped? No, it comes in untapped. So you can literally go. You can have a hand that is Opalescence, Sarah Sanctum, and five Ley Lines. Play all your Ley Lines, play your, uh, play your Sarah Sanctum, and then tap them to play Opalescence, and you'll only have 20 power on the board turn one. Not only that, you win turn one, Pat. Those Ley Lines started the game in play. You revealed them and put them into play before your first upkeep, so they technically have haste. We're not haste but they they are no longer summoning sick Ooh, that is that is, i didn't even realize that that is amazing it's yeah that's why the deck's hilarious is because you can just 20 someone on turn one oh. with the god hand i mean honestly <laughs> even if you have two four fours to start on turn one that's still pretty damn good yeah you're you're probably winning with that. i mean you're probably not going to make two four fours now that i think about it because you need four ma- you need access to four mana but still the point is is that it was it was just a really funny uh deck to play against um, thankfully, you know, Blue Red Delver seems like a bad matchup for that, but just because it has counter magic. And like, <laughs> Any deck with counter magic is a yeah, bad matchup. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would think. So, um, so that was interesting. And then round two, I played against Sneak and Show. Um, opponent was really nice. I beat him in two games. It wasn't really close. Um, just able to, you know, 
like the the great thing about Probe is that you're able to really decide what cards are important in the matchups. Um, so I, I beat him two games. So I was going into round three feeling pretty good and get my pairing and I mat- match up against uh, Ely Cassis. And, I've uh, heard of him. Yeah, he turns I've out. I've heard of this name. <laughs> I'm going to steal a line from Lawrence, and it turns out he is a very powerful wizard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so he was on Miracles. Obviously, uh, spoiler alert, he ends up taking down the entire event. But he was playing Miracles, and he beat me in two games. Um, uh, it was it was pretty rough. Like, the first game I had him to two, and then he just locked me out, and I wasn't able to play any more spells. Um, the second game, uh, we were both, uh, like, he was at, like, eight, I was at nine, and he just, like, um, entreats the angels. I mean, the game two, I, I think I drew, man, so he, I had burned out my entire hand, which is, which is kind of what happens against, against Miracles, and you're just in sort of top deck mode. Um, and he had burned out my hand, and I'm just drawing, 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 and I think I ended up drawing, I think seven or eight turns drawing lands, um, fetch lands or, or, the or, you know, actual dual lands. So it was pretty rough, like, it, just drawing dead off the top of my deck. Um, in, in retrospect, I would have changed up my sideboard a bit. I was kind of running with the sideboard I've been playing online for the last few weeks, almost like, almost like 75 for 75. And, uh, I would have changed up a few because I think that Exquisite Firecraft... Is just where you want to be in the um, in the miracles matchup because if I had that card, I would have been able to kill him, you know, like you know, easily. Well, not easily, but it would have been a much closer game with like three copies of Exquisite Firecraft on the sideboard. But um, so he two owed me, which was unfortunate. But it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't taking it too badly. Like he was really nice. Uh, we had some good some good games. So and then uh, round four, I played against. Uh, let me see if I can remember here. Round four was um, oh a sneaky show again. And that ended up going to three games. I won game one pretty quickly. Um, game two, I think he resolved Emrakul against me, and I had no way to bounce it. And game three, I think, was the same thing. He actually may have... He actually may have... No, no. Game game two, well, he had resolved Grizzlebrand. I think game three, I was at 18, and he resolved Emrakul. Um, game three, it was like... <clears throat> I literally had... Let's see. In hand, I had Force of Will. I had uh, Force of Will, Days, Flusterstorm... Um, brainstorm, and I think even spell pierce. I had like five or six counter spells, and we got into a counter war over his like turn two um, sneak attack. And uh, so I, I blow my entire hand of, of counter spells on that, so that doesn't resolve. Um, and then he plays it like the next turn he plays a show and tell, and show and tells them are cool. So um, that's just kind of how it goes against sneak and show. Usually my matchup is very good against them, but um, I think like a card like Flusterstorm is something that I would probably. Um, take away, and I think also something that I did in- incorrectly was I allowed him to uh, spend a lot of his first few turns uh, brainstorming and pondering, and I think I should, probably should have at least countered a few of those spells instead of waiting uh... for the business spells. Because I, I was the reason why I say this is because I was under the assumption that you just work on the business spells, but then in in speaking with Emma Handy, she was pretty she was thinking that like. The longer you let them cantrip, the better their hand's going to be against you. And they, especially in Game 3, when they've sided in as much of their disruption as possible, they're likely going to be able to have not only the pieces for their combo, but also the disruption as well. Uh, I think it really depends on your board state. Um, I think that logic is true if you have a clock. Like, if you have a Delver of Secrets in play, or, you ha- or you're chipping away at their life total with a Storm Chaser Mage, then yeah, you fight over the... Um, 
cantrips because that'll slow them down and give you more time for your clock to take effect. Mm-hmm. But if you're just trading them one for one, if my opponent does not have a creature in play and they counter my ponder, I am happy as a schoolgirl. Yeah. I am so happy about that because that means that's one because if I see you counter my ponder, that just means I'm I might be using ponder to find a counter spell to fight your counter spell. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to find a counter spell for you because you blew yours on my cantrip. Right. And by counting my opponent's cards, I can get a rough idea based on, you know, their body language and how they've been playing out their previous turns, you know, what sort of protection they have in their hand. Mm -hmm. And by, you know, countering my cantrip, you save me the effort of maybe bricking on that cantrip. Maybe I ponder and I don't find an answer and I have to keep digging. Mm -hmm. But now you blow a daze or even better, a force of will. I'm going for it the next turn. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a really good point. I think in in both games I didn't have a great clock. Well, certainly in the in the third game I didn't have much of a clock going because I I, I kept a hand that was basically all counter magic, thinking well at least I can stop him from doing anything. But yeah. in, in retrospect, maybe I go to six there and make him you know make him have it while being under pressure at the same time. Yeah, you you have to have a clock. You can have all the counter magic in the world, and the sneak and show player won't care as long as you don't have a clock. It's right. the combination of a clock plus disruption that makes that matchup so difficult for sneak and show. If you're missing one half of those, it's it's a cakewalk. Yep. And I also kind of considering the same thing too. It it may be better to allow sneak attack to resolve and really more and more worry more about something like show and tell, depending of course on your hand as well, um, because I can I can survive say like an Emrakul attack perhaps, especially if I'm holding like a decent hand, um, especially if it's an early Emrakul attack versus like if he if it's if he's resolving Emrakul with show and tell, I can't beat that. Uh, I mean, I think you're screwed in both scenarios. I think you definitely don't allow Sneak Attack to resolve because that now makes his threats uncounterable. You know, once Sneak Attack is in play, there's no fighting anymore. All your counter magic is dead. The first, you know, that's a situation where you would counter the cantrips is if the Sneak and Show player already has Sneak Attack in play. Yes, you damn right you counter every cantrip you can because you're not countering the creature. Right. Um, so yeah, I, you, you don't let sneak attack resolve. You don't let show and tell resolve. There's not really, uh, a, a priority focus there. Yeah. You have to stop them both or you lose. Yeah, that's fair. That's Unless fair. you're me and you don't draw a creature for, you know, 24 cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, round four, I play against, um, um, this woman, Annalise, who actually, I remembered from the previous open and she recognized me and then saw the, the leaving legacy shirt I was wearing and pointed to the top of her deck box, which had one of our stickers on it, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so she was playing Ant and I beat her in two games. Um, I think both of them, it kind of ended up being like, I had good early pressure and she had, she had to go for like the, the, like the dig as far down with ad nauseum as she could and just didn't couldn't produce the mana both times actually. Um, what what I really want to know about that Pat though is it's unclear whether she actually listens to the podcast or our friend Joe from Tennessee forced the sticker upon her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it I could have been don't... Kermit too. It could have been John Kerman. Both yeah. of them are very forceful with their stickers. <laughs> I truly don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Because um, you said you said she had you know no recognition really other than oh I recognize that symbol <laughs> right right yeah basically basically <laughs> um, but yeah so anyway that was that was fun and then um, 
the last round I played against Death and Taxes and had like my opponent was super nice, but just had like the most um tilting match. Um and it was basically because Death and Taxes for Blue Red Delver is like very, very a very, very close match. Wait, um, what about with the storm matchup, Pat? You just glaze right over that? Well, yeah, I told you. Like it was you know, I had good early pressure and she had to go she like she dedicated herself for really you know, uh, a deep ad nauseum where she's digging herself to like one or two life, and both times she couldn't storm off the way she wanted to. Um, one time, I, I think like there was a few times where I like countered an early dark ritual just to stop her from getting like three mana on, on the turn, and she had to like use another dark ritual, which makes a huge difference. Um, and then the second, the second game, I think I surgicaled. What did I surgical out of her graveyard? Mm, I can't remember. It might have been. It was something that seemed. Uh, what the fuck was it? Uh, now I can't remember. But I surgical something out of her graveyard to give my guys a free pump to put her to a low enough life to count to where she'd have to ad nauseum herself to death, and that's kind of what ended up happening. I think she she went to one, passed the turn, and I just reveal Thunderous Wrath off the top. <laughs> For the extra rubbins. Right. Well, yeah, What a savage. <laughs> well, she So she was at one, and she just conceded to me because I had, like, a Swift Spear and a Delver on board, and then I said, well, you know, kind of regardless of what you did, like, I just flipped over the top of my deck, and, like, it's Thunderous Wrath, so... It was it was gonna be you know not good for her, um, but she was really nice. Um, well, if fun. she did if she did listen to the podcast before, she she doesn't anymore. Ever. No, she was really <laughs> no. It, it, listen, I so I told her so and that, I told Jason. Everyone knows you're a meanie. I told Jason afterwards too. I was like, man, Storm is a deck that I would never want to play. It was just wait. I saw her counting and I'm like, I don't want to do that much counting on my day off. No way. So uh, yeah, it's not not my kind of deck. It's too much too much math for me. Um, and then I played Death and Taxes in the last round. I just had like a very like uh, tilting experience, just because he had played like a Ring Wingmare, and I kept forgetting the 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 tax effect that Wingmare has because I'm so used to Thalia. I don't really see Ring Wingmare anymore in Death and Taxes when I play it. So I kept missing that, and it was like uh, the last game. It was it was definitely on me. It wasn't it had nothing to do with my opponent, but my opponent was just playing very correctly and I was not. And um I missed I kinda messed up like uh so I, I like play chain lightning and essentially what you need to do is hold priority because I want to daze my own chain lightning to pay for it to pump my guys to essentially do like an uh, to, to do lethal to them and uh, I I say all right chain lightning you and I pause and I sh- what I should have done was say chain lightning days my you know hold priority chain my own days uh, days my own chain lightning pay for it and what I did was I said chain lightning and like wait a couple seconds he goes okay and then he goes to the chain life holes and I said no I actually want to daze it and he's like well you can't do that and I said so it was obviously it was on me, um, but it was just extremely frustrating. It had nothing to do with my opponent, but by then I was three and three, and I'm like, I just had enough of that day. I was already pretty stressed from from things outside of of the game. Like I came in that day and didn't really have my head in it, and I think it proved like later rounds where I was just like not having it. It, it's okay, Pat. We know you're a savage cheater, and you tried to bait the counterspell out of your opponent. <laughs> yes, my opponent and then was with, playing Death and Taxes. And then when the counterspell wasn't forthcoming, you tried to scumbag him and say you were holding priority the whole time. <laughs> we know how this works, Pat. So, so the good thing is that I learned a very valuable lesson as far as holding priority, because that is something that in Magic I've never like really had to consider, because the only times I've really like made this similar play has been online, and it's much easier... Online right. to do something it's, like that. 
it's spelled out a lot clearer. I actually have a relevant situation that happened to me with that same ruling at the tournament. Uh, oh. Against the uh, the mono red Stompy deck, it was a. I forgot to mention it was of the werewolf variety. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know it's beaters. You know it had Goblin Rabble Master and uh, Magus of the Moon, but it also had the Innistrad werewolves. Jeez. <laughs> the like the red ones. It's like Hal Halmir Watch. I forget which exact ones they were, but he plays these werewolves and he flips them, and I'm like, damn, I'm gonna die if i don't because it's like it's like a one five defender on the other side and like a five two on the other uh so i'm like i'm gonna die to this if i don't get this to flip back so what i ended up having to do was cast lotus petal hold priority spell pierce my own lotus petals (laughs) and then pay for spell pierce in order to get the werewolves to flip back because it was my two spells casted on that turn (laughs) i'm like i can't believe i'm doing this (laughs) that's amazing yeah but uh yeah holding priority can be pretty useful in uh in weird weird situations yeah so definitely a lesson learned um and something that I won't I won't make that same mistake again. So that's good, I guess. It was a good learning experience. I think even if had I, had I won round round six and been four two at that point, I think I still may have dropped to go eat because um, I was I, I was just you know like I was just not my head was not in the game that day. I was just really I had a really bad day at work on Friday and it was just it had carried over to me then and it just was not something I wanted to. Uh, I basically didn't want to be there, but I still wanted to play because playing in a big event like that doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah, it sucks when the event that you're looking forward to for for weeks or even months, and then the day arrives, and either you're sick or you've just you know had a stressful day, got into a fight with your significant other. It's just it's a shitty feeling. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it just it is what it is. There's not much you can do about it. So, but anyway, um, yeah. So other than that, like I enjoyed the day. I had a good time with uh, Aaron and Kate and Kerman afterwards, going out to dinner and stuff. So that was fun. Yeah. Oh, one other tilting aspect from the tournament that uh, really got me off on the on the wrong foot was uh, so I I sat down for uh, match number one and I looked to my right and know who I saw? Who? Bob Huang. Okay. How's he doing? <laughs> like, oh, he's doing good. He's doing good. And then I look at Bob Huang's opponent and it's a twelve year old with like an unsleeved deck. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, and he says. This is my first GP. <laughs> Jeez. And I just look, uh, you know, I'm like, you know what, Bob? You, you earned this, I guess. <laughs> just the unofficial buy round one. <laughs> that's but amazing. It was great seeing Bob, and that was that's just a hilarious situation. <laughs> I did not get any of those kind of opponents uh, on the week. Yeah. On the weekend. You know... I, I want to earn it, Pat. I want to earn it, but a little help along the way is nice, too. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, uh, boy. Well, moving on. We we got some goodies today, Pat. We do. We do. We got three, I would say, three legacy playable cards spoiled today. Yeah, ones that we were, we were talking about. So why don't we go, um, why don't you take the first one, Jerry? Uh, so the first one that came out today is, I believe, Snack God. Snack God, yes. Snack God. <laughs> uh, what's his, uh, how do you pronounce Ronas, his name? Ro- I'm Nos- assuming it's Ronus the Indomitable. And he is uh, two and a green for a legendary creature god. Death Touch, indestructible. 
Ronus the Indomitable can't attack or block unless you control another power a creature with power four or greater. So this is kind of the um, uh, Amon Ket take on the Theros God uh, mm-hmm. subtype, where those were kind of determined by um, by devotion, uh, and these ones are just determined by a creature with uh, power four or greater. Obviously, with this one's power four or greater, um, and it has yeah. the ability. So yeah, go ahead. It doesn't really seem like there's a unifying theme behind them. It's just it can't attack or block unless you do something like the red one is you have to have one or fewer cards in hand. And the white one is you have to have, you know, three creatures. So of the ones we've seen so far, the green one's definitely the best because it's the easiest one to turn on. Having a creature with power four or greater is not that difficult, even in legacy. Right. Um, and for two and a green, you can, another target creature you control gains plus two plus O and trample until end of turn, which is kind of neat. Right, which basically turns the god on him, you know, itself. It it now becomes a five five beater for two and a green, which mm-hmm. is indestructible too. Keep in mind, so even but even by legacy standards, that's really good. Yeah, I uh, mean, I suppose, but it's still so it's still susceptible to, you know, terminus. It's susceptible to to uh, swords. It can be. Um, that, uh, what's that? That's pretty much it. Well, terminus no, there's is, also um, what's the. No, not abrupt decay. What's the one with Will of Council that? No. no, the one with Will of uh, Council that. Uh, I think, oh, I think, oh, no. God damn it, Jerry! Uh, it's one let's, white let's, white Council's judgment. Uh, dismember, uh, kind of dismember. Yeah, that dismember works. Uh, council's yes, judgment. Council's, council's judgment. But Pat, it's still a very very difficult creature to deal with. Sure, sure yeah, it yeah. might not break the Miracles matchup wide open, but it's still super interesting. And what a lot of people have been talking about is it's Green Sun, uh, sun Green Sun Zenithable. Yep. <laughs> uh, and w- what's also very cool is giving another creature Trample goes hand-in-hand with Knight of the Reliquary. Mm-hmm. Knight of the Reliquary often uh, is looking for some form of evasion so it can close the games out. Uh, Knight of the Reliquary, I've had it myself just be chump-blocked by young pyromancer tokens or just random dirtles and it, it being very ineffective. So uh, a lot of the green mages are excited for this as an addition to their deck as a uh, as a silver bullet for Green Sun Zenith. Eh, honestly, I think like if Knight of the Reliquary wanted a card like this, they would just go with Nylea, God of the Hunt. Ah, uh, I don't think so. It, that gives all your creatures trample, like, and you don't have to turn it on. And that's three and a green. Let me pull. Hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I know for I. I played this card a lot in standard. Nylea, God of the Hunt's three and a green. Uh, it's indestructible. It's a six six. Uh, as long as your as long as your devotion to green is less than five, it's not a creature. Um, so it can't be. Um, <clears throat> if your devotion is less than five to green, it can't be uh, terminus. Yeah, but- and Pat, it gives for, Pat, this costs four and a green, which is all no, whole number green. Now, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's it's oh sorry, three and a green. It's four total. <laughs> right. Four total is what I want. So Snake God is one cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, also its activation is one cheaper, and it becomes no no no, a creature. No, 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 no. This doesn't need activation, is what I'm saying. This no, I know, no, the, control the, of trample regardless that, with Nalia. Yes. No, I, I get that. I'm just saying uh, that the activation on Nalia is three and a green to give creatures plus two plus two, so the, the boost part of it is, uh, is more expensive. And also, having devotion of five in Legacy is really difficult, even with the color green. Oh, so you're saying that turning t- that turning um, turning the Snack yeah. God into a 5-5 five five is actually also good. 
yeah, that's what that's what pushes this over the edge. Like okay. Nalia is just pr- Nalia is pretty much just an enchantment that gives your creatures trample. Right. I I am not paying three and a green, even a green sun zenithable enchantment just to give neither reliquary trample. Right. I'm doing this because I if you curve neither reliquary into Ronos, you now have a five five for three that as a bonus gives Knight of the Reliquary Trample. That's sure. the cherry on top. That's not the reason why you run it. Hmm. Okay. And then it also turns all your little guys into threats. Like, turning a Noble Hierarch or a Dryad Arbor into a, uh, you know, a 3-1 it, you know, makes them really useful in the late game once you start to flood out and don't need that much mana anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not, you know, a 4-of by any means, but I think we'll definitely be seeing this pop up as a uh, Green Sun Zenith target from time to time. Sure. Okay. <coughs> Interesting. I don't know. You, you think it's better to Green Sun than something like... Uh... Craterhoof Behemoth? <laughs> well, I mean, Craterhoof Behemoth's also three times the casting cost of this. Oh, that's so. true, because they're usually going to natural order that in. I'm sorry. Right, right. I suppose. But if you're going to pay four to Green Sun this, you may as well pay four to natural order. But you would also have to sacrifice another creature in order to natural order. The decks running now that are don't run natural order. That's true. Plus it's green-green, which might be tough to cast. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not saying this is going to be like a ground shaking run out and buy a playset right now. I'm just saying you are going to see this in uh, Legacy. Yeah. You're going to be playing against Nick Fit or Maverick or, you know, some other Green Sun Zenith deck, and they are going to pull this out of their library as a silver bullet. Yeah. Well, can I tell you the one that I am excited for today? No. All right, go ahead. Moving on. <laughs> um, so this one came on the, uh... oh, now I deleted the email. God damn it. Um, it was on the Wizards, uh, official email dealio thing. Um, let me just pull it up real quick. I had it, and then I deleted the email. Uh, just trying to hide the evidence. Yes, apologies. So, Harsh Mentor is one in a red for a 2-2 human cleric, which is, like, on itself is, like, meh, not really that exciting. Uh, I was gonna Um, save this one for last, because it's fucking broken. Oh, okay. (laughs) So you want to talk about Nissa? Ruin the big reveal. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about Nissa. I don't give a shit about that card. This is so good. Oh, Nissa's garbage. Hot garbage. This is so good, but she's gonna seem like garbage after we talk about Harsh Mentor. <laughs> so Harsh Mentor. So a two two for two is very like vanilla. Like it's fine, but it's not great in uh, Legacy, obviously. But it yep. does have an ability. Um, whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature, or land on the battlefield, if it isn't a man ability, Harsh Mentor deals two damage to that player. So let me tell you my dream scenario, Jerry. So when I'm playing Blue Red Delver and I go to Price of Progress, like a bug player who's got three fetch lands on the battlefield, and they they go and they fetch all their lands and fail to find, so they only take two damage. They only take one damage from each land instead of two with Price of Progress. This actually makes that play significantly worse. If this card's in the battlefield. <laughs> that's your dream scenario? I mean, that seems pretty good. Uh, it's all, it also... <laughs> you, Jesus, Pat, you're like, you're like the guy who's like, you have three wishes, and you wish for, like, a pizza. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Don't be afraid to dream a little bigger. I mean, it's pretty good to, like, make a... Like, um... It's it, it's always very frustrating when someone has a maze of it online and you can't like you only have a single attacker you can't attack through it. This is nice that it stops them from using maze of it uh, as effectively as before. Pat, that stops like freaking ninety percent of legacy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so just thinking. Of all, 
I yeah. need corner cases in my life, man. Oh my god! Like I don't even want to get into modern because I feel this just makes burn the best deck in modern. It's like mm. shocklands are now a lava axe. It's, like, well, listen, it's for a, a shock. <laughs> it's a, it, again. Let's let's. Well, you tell me your thing, and then we'll go back. Come back to reality. Oh, man. So shuts down countertop. Every time your opponent tries to look at the top three cards in their library, they're getting shocked to the face. Yep. Uh, whenever your opponent fetches, that's a lightning bolt to the face. Yep. Whenever death, whenever Deathrite Shaman tries to eat a land card in a graveyard because it's not a mana ability because you have to remove a it's uh, remove a land from the graveyard and it become and the, adding a mana is an after effect. They're taking two damage. They're, if they try and gain life using the green ability, they just stay at zero. Uh, if they try and uh, remove an instant or sorcery with Deathrite Shaman, they're also taking two. Uh, you know, Stoneforge Mystic activations get a lot worse. It shuts down Mother of Ruins and Death and Taxes. Oh my god, yes. Give your creature protection. I don't care. Eat to the face. You know, oh, you want to wasteland my lands? Sure, take two. Oh, you want to Aether Violin, uh, your Lord of Atlantis? Sure, take two. What blows my mind is how was this card printed unsymmetrically? It's only opponents. <laughs> only opponents. What were they thinking? I mean, it's, you know, this card is still very easily uh, Fatal Pushed. It's very easily Abrupt Decayed. It dies to Terminus. It dies to Swords. Like, there's not a single piece of removal that doesn't hit this. Yeah, but it is kill on sight. I mean, you can say the exact same things about Thalia, and Thalia is still a freaking beast of a card to go up against. Mm, This is extremely good. Oh, my God. I don't don't know if it's that good, though. It is... I it's going to see a lot of play. You think so? I'm picking up copies as soon as it comes out. Hmm, interesting. This is this is this set's like death right shaman. This is like the really? creature that you get. Oh yeah. Oh, someone did say uh mentioned that it'd be great against a Jite deck. But again, like if they they can just minus 1 minus 1 this thing twice. They're going to take four damage, but I don't know. <clears throat> that's still two mana for a one-sided uh, four damage that stripped your opponent's Jite of counters that they also had to swing in and get counters on in the first place. It's like, I hate the argument it dies to removal. Yes, we play magic. Removal is a fundamental factor of the game. Sure, sure. Just because this guy dies to removal doesn't mean he's going to be a game-warping uh, presence on the battlefield. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll pick up a couple of these then. I also love that the freaking flavor text is perfect. It's fight through it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think this card gives Blue Red Delver a significant boost. Definitely gives Burn a significant boost. I wouldn't be surprised because it what it's what you have to keep in mind, Pat, is it's one sided. There's no downside to running this card. Well, there is in that it's a two two for two. That's still fine. I mean. There it's are. Not, it's not fine. Like you would not play a two-two for two with no abilities. You would never play that. You're right, but this has an ability. No, I understand that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, uh, I don't know. Even if not... your opponent isn't using, isn't taking damage by not using those things, he's still effectively a Phyrexian Revoker on everything your opponent owns. Think of it that way. Would you play Phyrexian Revoker if it just said your opponent couldn't activate abilities? Yeah, I mean that's fine. On all permanents, like it's yeah. just. Blanket hate. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I'm just trying to be, you know, there's a, there's a chance that this gets a split with, like, say, um, maybe, probably not Swift Spear, but maybe Storm Chaser Mage this gets a split with. Yeah, I would definitely but, run him over Sto- Storm Chaser. 
Oh, I see. Definitely, I don't know, man. He's way easier to cast. Uh, for his base stats, he's a 2-2 instead of a 1-3. Sure, he doesn't have flying, but, you know, we can live with that. And he just wrecks your opponent's ability to play magic. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think if I don't you, know. Yeah, if, you, I... if, if you play 100 games with this guy and 100 games with Storm Chaser Mage and look at average damage dealt over the course of those games, I guarantee you Harsh Mentor will come out ahead. You think so? Yeah, 100%. <sighs> I, mean, I, guess, I guess i got to play a lot of more Blue Red Delver online then. Just just mm. play some Harsh, Harsh Mentors Mentor. and see the this light. Is a, this is a rare. Why do they got to make it a rare? It's going to be so expensive. It's not going to be expensive. It's good, Dude, it's fucking... Fatal Push is $5, and it's an uncommon. This is going to be a $20 uh, card. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't... This, this set's I not even going to get open, because it's, it's, a, it's... Overall, this set is very unexciting to me. Yeah, it's not a, the best set. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the know. goddamn masterpieces. No one wants the masterpieces either, so that's not going to drive the price down. Uh, this might be a pretty expensive Oh, my card. God, I forgot about the masterpieces. <laughs> oh, no! Yeah, this is going to be a pretty expensive I forgot about these! Set. Yeah, oh, get your so get bad. your harsh mentors early. They're so bad. These masterpieces look fake. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, invoke PTSD. <laughs> there, I just I completely forgot about them, and now I, oh, it's like a nightmare. Um, uh, so, all right, so there was one more you wanted to talk about, right, Nissa? Yeah, Nissa. Uh, our buddy Jay is actually really excited about this card. He was uh, all over it on the Facebook group. Um, I the Nissa was a card where I looked at. And I'm like, that's cute. And then the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you really have to think about it as a three mana planeswalker. Like you're playing this X equals one. So I guess just to read it for people, it's uh it's X green and a blue. So this is the first X planeswalker we've had. Uh, and it's starting loyalty is X. Which so, is that's interesting, right? So just commenting on that alone, it's really interesting. I really like it because generally X cards aren't the best because of the casting cost involved with them. You know, usually you're paying one more. The the X warrants an ability, but then it always tacks on something additional. Like Mana Sync, I think, is the perfect example. One in a blue, or sorry, blue and X, uh, counter target spell unless your opponent plays X. That still means you're paying one more than your opponent in order to counter it. So generally, X cards have not been the best in the past because of that added cost tacked on making them a net negative for uh, for mana efficiency. But when X cards are good, they tend to be absolutely fucking broken, like Sphinx's Revelation or Treat the Angels, uh, where that variable casting cost just opens up a huge possibility where you can play this early on turn three and have it come into play with one loyalty and get effects off of it, or you could play this on turn ten in a Nick Fit deck and have it come into play with nine loyalty. Um, so it's good in the early game, and it's also good in the late game. And what I really like about it is... It's I like it in the Miracles matchup because that X-converted mana cost lets you play tricks with the counterbalance lock, where if you're under counterbalance uh, lock from your Miracles opponent, you can play this on, you know, four or five or one or, you know, one making it three, uh, making it very difficult for your opponent to, uh, you know, counter it on demands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like kind of equate it to the... Uh, engineered explosives play that you'll do where you'll play engineered explosives on five uh you only using two colors just to get around the counterbalance lock 
Um, so I like that a lot. And then once it's in play, it helps you break the counterbalance lock because it lets you put cards into play for free without opening them up to be countered by the uh, counterbalance. Hmm. Um, so its ability is just to get down. So plus two, scry two. Um, I think if that was like plus one, I wouldn't be nearly as excited about it. But because it's plus two, she can really tick up in uh in loyalty really quickly. And you know we've heard it time and time again from the pros. You know, scry two is roughly equivalent to drawing a card and setting up your uh your next couple turns uh plays really well, especially with cards like Delver of Secrets. Mm. Um. And then the real kicker, I, I don't even want to get into the ultimate because I don't think the ultimate's all that great, but the best ability on it is for zero, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card or a creature card with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of loyalty counters on Nyssa, uh, you may put that card directly onto the battlefield. Um, so this card can just, you know, scry to the top, see exactly what you have, uh, set up for the next turn, and then, you know, use it as an exploration, just dumping lands into play early, uh, or combining it with cards like Brainstorm, uh, Ponder, Jace, and just really getting free value off of it. Hmm. Even if you just, you know, play it for three, you know, as come, have it come into play with one loyalty, uh, maybe scry with it, maybe... Uh, you know what's on top because of a brainstorm and just using it to put a free land into play or a nimble mongoose or a delver of secrets. Uh, you're just getting instant value with it. So I, I think this is a really fun card and I think it could, uh, be interesting to see what, uh, what strategies develop around it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm not, not particularly excited about this card personally. Um, I don't like the fact that you have to pay X. Just in the casting, I understand that like it's nice against miracles, but I feel like against all other decks, it's just like I mean, I guess it's a late game mana sink, but is that really what you want, what you want your late game mana sink to be? I don't know. Scry two is a very like meh ability. Well, that I mean, if it's very good to me, if it's your late game mana sink, you're usually gonna just ult it next turn. Ten damage to the face is pretty good. I suppose, but they're. I mean, I guess it's nice that they have flying um, and haste. Yeah, and haste. Well, yeah. Um... I don't know. I mean, if you're gonna spend, if you're gonna ultimate an next turn, it means you have to spend eight to play it. I think there's a lot better cards you can pay eight for. I mean, unless you just happen to have eight mana in play. I'm not saying that's not why you run the card. Right, 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 right. I the way I look at it is, I think ninety percent of the time Nissa gets played. You're playing it for X equals one, comes into play with one loyalty, and you're scrying two. And now you have a Planeswalker for three that has three loyalty and set up your next couple of turns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it would be really good in the low-to-the-ground Delver decks. Uh, I could see, like, a Delver, Nimble Mongoose, Tarmogoyf, either, uh, you know, Rug Delver uh, style or maybe, you know, get creative with something like a, a Bant deck. Uh, I, I think this could be could be a really cool aggro strategy uh, because those are the decks that really need the help against the uh, the counterbalance lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think the putting creatures directly into play or putting lands directly into play is a huge boon to it. Okay. Um, speaking of counterbalance lock, do we want to talk about? Uh, I mean, was there any other spoilers you wanted to discuss before we moved on? Uh, there's the serpent, but it's not really playable. It's just I wish it was playable. But there's hope. The one I'm talking about is the uh, the serpent that's five blue blue for a six five, and it costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Right, right. Yeah, the one well, that doesn't have flying. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how it's going to be rema- uh, be known. The one that doesn't have flying. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a it's a really close like I wish if it had flying or if it cost five and a blue instead of blue blue or it was even like a five six instead of a six five. So it matched up with Gurmag Angler better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this card would be really cool. Uh, and if, I hope they keep keep doing it because I just want to make Bedlam Reveler dot deck. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it is nice that uh, it gets around counterbalance. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess it's I guess it's fine. I don't know. I'm not it's, thrilled with that it's one. Not, it's, it's not playable. It's close. I like the idea behind it, but yes. it needs, like, one or two more R&D sessions. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like this one should have come out before Bedlam Reveler. Like, they were testing, it, testing the waters with Cryptic Serpent to see if, if, you know, this was better than something like Delve, for instance. And Bedlam Reveler is just obviously a, a much better card than this one. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. Maybe it finds a place somewhere, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, I I just I I like it because it shows promise that R uh, R and D is going to continue to experiment with that style of ability. Right. Yeah. They they keep doing a good job with that, so I appreciate that quite a bit. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get a broken one, yeah. so it just breaks the format wide open. <laughs> um, and I know I know we kind of glossed over it real, but I do didn't want to touch on it real quick before we get out of here. The top eight from the Legacy Open from Star City Games. Um, we saw two copies of Miracles in the top eight, including Eli, uh, Eli, who took took it down the event, uh, uh, beating Nate Barton in the finals, who was on Grixis Delver. We also saw Reanimator Elves, Blue Green Eldrazi Post, which is pretty neat. In fact, and the one that I thought was the most interesting was Mono Red Sneak Attack, um, just because I feel like for Mono Red Sneak Attack to make it through uh, what nine rounds on day one. And an additional five or six rounds in day two to make it in the top eight. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think Mono Red Sneak Attack's a good deck. Um, it is really consistent and resilient. It knows what it wants to do, and it does it well. Where even if you shut down the combo piece of Through the Breach and Sneak Attack, it's still just going to start hard casting its threats. Right. So... I just really like that it's a combo deck that can win quickly, but it can also play as a fair deck that'll just beat your opponent's face in. Hmm. Go so. no bandit war bandit warlord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go no bandit warlord. <laughs> that is pretty interesting. Um so anyway, so that was a pretty a pretty neat top eight. Um the one thing I did want to comment on that I thought was really funny was uh Ely immediately after taking down the top eight uh, in his post-win interview, calls for the banning of Sensei's Defining Top and Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a man of the people. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, Ely's a good guy. I, I've known him for a while, and he has deserved this win for forever. I think. Right. I think they, they're they saying he has like, coverage. like yeah, he has like ten open top eights, but yeah, he's was, never taken it down before. Right, a lot of top eights and hasn't taken it down. So it was, I was very excited to see him take it down as well. I think yeah. he's, uh, I think he's a good player. So it was good to see that. Yeah, he's 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 a very smart guy, and he's one of the best, uh, you know, magic players I've had the pleasure of meeting in real life. Uh, uh, yeah, def- definitely a case of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But, you know, <laughs> today's your special day, Ely. <laughs> yes, yes, enjoy it. Enjoy it, my friend. Um, yeah, he was very nice to talk to uh, during our match, and maybe we can get him on the cast sometime. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Jerry, was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we got out of here? 
Uh, I feel there was, but, uh, yep, you know, what? no, no, I guess not. <laughs> okay. uh, next episode, we're going to have a very special guest on in the segment. Do you want to discuss that real quick before we move on? No, I want it to be a surprise, Pat. Ooh, thanks, okay. Thanks for chumming the waters, though. Get, well, well, get the, the nice and frothy. <laughs> just so you know, we're going to have a, uh, a very special guest on uh, episode next week. And um, I'll tell you what, Jerry, I, unfortunately... I'm not gonna be able to make that recording time, <clears throat> so I'm pretty green with envy myself. But hopefully, uh, hopefully you're able to get it done by yourself. Yeah, it's it's gonna be hard on uh, you know, daylight, David. No, what 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 what? Uh, all right, just just erase this part. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's staying. It's no. staying for sure. No, no, I'm international time. No, nope, just delete it. <laughs> <laughs> time like zones are hard. Time zones are hard. Um, all right, so. Uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, Jerry, and or maybe find you on the Real Thing Presentation Education Group, where can they find you, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all over Facebook. I'm, I'm a part of so many magic groups these days, I can't keep up with them all. <laughs> Ooh, but thank you for reminding me. I did also want to plug uh, our friend Will started a Miracles uh, Facebook group. So if you are a Miracles brewer and looking for a place to share ideas... Uh, I would definitely take a look at that. It's called Can't Stop the Top, <laughs> the Miracles uh, Legacy Facebook group. So if you're a Miracles player or you just want to figure out how to beat Miracles, that is a good group to get in just to talk about the deck. So I kind of like this trend that's popping up where different deck brewers are getting together and forming groups online to make a, a more cohesive way to share ideas about the deck other than the source. Just because yeah. I... I can't read the source, just the formatting of it. I don't know if it's, like, my latent dyslexia acting up, but I just cannot get information out of the source, and I just find the way Facebook sets up their groups a lot more coherent and easy to follow. Part of the problem with the source, too, and not to go off too much of a tangent, Facebook is nice because it essentially, in theory, ties a real person to the account that's being that's posting. <laughs> True. Whereas on the source, you can be anybody, right? So, And this has a twofold benefit. It first and foremost, most importantly, makes like people a little bit more accountable for what they're saying so you don't get as much shit posting and it's easy to ban assholes. Um, but secondly, and uh, I think pretty important as well, um, magic is certainly a meritocracy um, where people who have had better results and do, you know, are, are essentially better players are awarded a lot more of the uh, intellectual space. And that kind of also uh, continues if you're able to have, like, high-ranking or well-known, um, you know, Miracles players, for instance, in the group. Their uh, opinions are going to be weighted more heavily than, you know, Sunkiss6969 on the, on the source. So, um. <laughs> then how do you explain how the hell we got popular? <laughs> Who said we're popular? <laughs> True, true. Uh, the daggers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with both those points. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I think that's a, that's a really good point as far as, you know, I definitely put uh, higher weight uh, to people's words when I actually know where they're coming from rather than just some faceless internet robot. Yep, totally. I think that's um, part of the reason why the Leaving Legacy Facebook group is so popular. I mean, we just cracked 500 members today, actually, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, awesome. So I, I really like this trend. I hope people keep it up. And if you are interested in starting, you know, a, a Facebook group for a specific deck, you want to see if if people are interested, you know, definitely let me know. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a great trend in the legacy community as far as organizing ideas and thoughts and just coming up with great strategies for decks. Awesome. Um, and they can find you on Twitter as well. 
Yes, Twitter. I am at Jamie Third. Uh, also, I'm writing for Hipsters of the Coast, which uh, is also where this podcast is being broadcast from. So check out my articles on there under the title "The Spice Cabinet." <laughs> awesome. And you can guys, you guys can find me um, on Twitter at Pat Uglow. On Facebook, you can search for Pat Uglow. Um, you can find my stream Twitch.tv slash Pat Uglow. Uh, and you can find the Facebook group, obviously, facebook.com slash group slash leaving a legacy MTG. Uh, the link will be in the show notes, of course. Um, you can also, again, if you want to support the show, uh, you can find us on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Uh, I have a few scoops I want to get into before we play the dice game. Uh, Nick, at, uh, who I saw again at Star City Games, um, who the first time I met him, uh, uh, probably about six or eight months ago now, down in Providence, he was telling me that he enjoyed the cast, even though he hadn't played, even though he didn't play Legacy at the time. Uh, <laughs> the, and, the way you described it to me, Pat, was you were going down an escalator and he was going up the other side of the escalator. No, 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 no. no. He was he was ahead of me on the escalator going up, and he turned around and saw my shirt. Um, and then he actually we 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 ran into each other at uh, SCG Worcester, and he was actually playing the main event there and was actually playing Legacy. So I was really. Uh, uh, happy to hear that he was in the format and pr- and proud of the uh, proud of the podcast for dragging him in with us, <laughs> kicking and screaming. Now, Nick, absolutely, Nick's awesome. He always brings the spice. He he plays the Nick Fit deck and he yep. just blows me out with these random cards I've never seen before. So <laughs> he keeps me sharp. I like it. I like I'll, I'll share that scoop in. <laughs> um, also, uh, of, of course, like the usual crew, Aaron, Kate, uh, John, Carmen were all down at the event. A bunch more that I you know too many to name. Um, uh, it was awesome to see all them, and I also got a chance to meet Emma Handy, who I've interacted with a lot on Twitter, um, and 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 um uh, and on Twitch, as far as uh talking about Blue Red Delver and working on that deck a little bit. So it was good to meet her, and it seemed like she had a a, a mediocre showing, um, better than I did for sure. But um, you know, it's it's just kind of how the uh how the game goes. Jerry, you got any scoops you want to add in? Yeah, uh, I mean, I just wanted to scoop in everyone who came up and, you know, talked to me, said how much they appreciate the cast at SCG Worcester. There were just, you know, so many people, like, I couldn't keep track of everyone, uh, but, you know, just, it was, it was awesome seeing the outpouring of support. So, love it when, uh, you know, people come up and, and tell us about the cast and have conversations. You know, it's great. Yeah, it is, it is awesome. It's so funny because, and I, I know Adrian had said this many, many times, um, and it's something that rings true for me. Anytime someone comes up and say they listen to the cast, it's like, oh man, I kind of forget that people are out there listening to this sometimes. Um, you know, we do what we, 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 Jerry and I enjoy this just talking, I guess we like the sound of our own voice, so we enjoy talking to each other, but, um, people, uh, do listen to it and we really appreciate that, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was just my mom. <laughs> Jerry, even your mom wouldn't listen to the cast. Don't lie. Yeah, you're right. She wouldn't listen to this. <laughs> uh, mostly because I don't think she could figure out how to download a podcast, but that's that's another story. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what um, I just realized? I, I'm looking at the source right now. Uh, Cavern Harpy is something that gets hit by um, Harsh Mentor. Yes. Yeah, it hits everything, Pat. Like, pretty much everything. <laughs> Name a card in Legacy, and there's like a 65% chance it has an activated ability. Alright, so we're going to have to put in a, an order to Haru, Haruya and get a, a playset of these in Japanese for me. Hell yeah. Uh, awesome. Oh, 
Uh, were you going to mention this uh, this Patreon that that was started? What what is it for? Is it lining our pockets, Pat? Are we are we no. hitting the are we hitting the casino afterwards? Or is no, it no, 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 no. <laughs> so I mean, I I would like to do that. That would be a lot of fun. But I don't think that's what they're what they're donating money for. Um, so we have a few goals. If you look at the uh, if you look at the Patreon page, um, we have a few different membership levels. Um, and again, you can pay you can donate any amount that you want, any from a dollar to I mean a thousand dollars if you want to donate that much money um but this is um you know we have uh, four different levels right now each one has kind of their own little reward tier um and uh if you go to the left side of the page there's some goals that we have um so the first goal that we have is is really being able to afford new equipment for the podcast which includes like mixing boards editing software new microphones things like that um the uh next goal was for uh do a legacy league or draft stream together. So Jerry and I would get together on Skype and then stream um, a legacy league or draft once a month. We'd probably let the, actually the listeners pick uh, decks or or the uh, formats to draft, which would be pretty fun. Um, the next one was um, the next goal was being able to do an in-depth deck tech on stream with one of the pilots of the deck. So one of the well-known pilots of the deck, which I think would be pretty fun, and something that we were able to follow up on. You know, have like you know, say I don't know um, who who can I think of? Like for instance, uh, when I think of like uh, hex steps, I think of Tom Hep or our friend Curtis, who is DN Solver um, on on Magic Online. Um, it'd be cool to do a deck tech with them on stream as well, and also like play the deck. It'd be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and we let the, the patrons uh, pick w- one of the decks once a month. And then the final goal, which is a little <laughs> which is far away, but I think it's still very feasible, um, is getting you and myself to do a twelve hour stream each month together. So once a month, you and I would be in the same place at the same time, streaming together. And having a good time um, playing Legacy or 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 uh, drafting or something of the sort. So, um, and if people have requests as far you know what they want, maybe other goals or different membership tiers, or they have other things they they think would be make good rewards, please please let us know. You can message me on Twitter or you can message me on Facebook. Um, I'm available on both or or send something to Jerry. Yeah, basically in a nutshell, we just want to do more things with the listeners, more things with the cast. But right. so far, paying out of pocket. We've been happy to do, but I'm, I'm not made of money, Pat. I got <laughs> I got FBB duels to buy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was gonna say. Besides that being completely false, they're not made out of money. Um, no, but you're right. It it would it, it's it takes a lot of time out of our out of our lives to make the podcast, and we are 100 percent happy to do that. I, it really is making this podcast has been. Well, one of the highlights of my week each and every week for the last, what, year and a half now, which is kind of surprising that it's been that long. Um, almost, actually almost two years. It'll be two years in May. Um, wow. I didn't realize it was that long. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's something that we really enjoy doing, but we just kind of want to bring it to the next level and maybe be able to dedicate more of our time to it. Um, cause right now we can only do, we can only dedicate so much and, and be reasonable people. So, um, but yeah, so if you guys want to support us, you can check it out on Patreon. Yeah, or you can just keep getting this for free. That's cool too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this will always, you know, as long as you and I are doing it, Jerry, this will always be something that is available for free. Uh, it won't ever be behind a paywall. This is just an option for people who wanna who wanna give back to the cast to to do that. So nice. Um, you have a die you wanna roll? I do. I do. Do you have the list? I have the list. I'm hoping we roll a one because Dominic has the fir- has the first post in here, and he wrote it back in August of 2016. <laughs> And it's a good song to boot, so. 
Yeah. Oh, I forgot who posted it too, but uh, the person who song won and we didn't know what song it was because they posted the uh, the album. Oh, I know it was it was um, uh, Michael Ames. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> All the oh, way to man. the bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a good sport. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. We ready for this, Pat? Yeah. Go ahead. Nineteen. Oh my god! Can we reroll that? So many to count. <laughs> Got him. So uh, Kyle Morrison requests Big Time by Vince Staples. I don't think I know this one, Pat. Do I don't you? Know this one. No, I don't think I do. Let me see. Big Time. Actually, I may have looked this up. I know Vince Staples. Um, I don't even know Vince Staples. Yeah, he's the one who did North Northside. North North. Big uh, Time. Vince Staples. Uh-huh. Oh, that, is, that album cover is terrifying. Let's, let's, take, let's check this out. Oh, it's on the album Prima Donna. All right, all right, I can get behind this. Yeah, this we can get down right. this. We can do this. We can do this. <laughs> That's a terrifying album cover, though. It is, right? It's so scary. It is very. It's like, but it's not. It's not like. Uh, it's it's too much for me. It's too much. Creepy. For me. All right, all right, Jerry. <laughs> what do you say? Play us out with something sweet, Pat. <laughs> oh, big time, big time. Slap at the bass, big time. Slap at the bass. All right. <laughs> Man, I love my bitches. Man, they photogenic, snatching straight up out the riches. Man, they do my dishes. Man, I love this crippin'. Man, my homies with it. All these murders, they ain't got enough ambulances with them. I ain't paying no homage to nobody with nobody's. I don't care about your Ferrari. I snatch you out that building. Was cramming in the Civics. Round 2010 is piled in the studio. When that nigga will listen, now we big time. Nigga, I'll body a nigga for saying I can't You should have known